Welcome everyone to another episode of The Creative Minds. Joining me here today is Elisa. I want you first of all like to start off by introducing yourself, telling us a bit more about who you are and honestly it's a complete honor to have you on the show. So yeah, please go ahead. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Um yeah, well, it's always uh it's as difficult to introduce yourself as it is to introduce someone else, I feel, because introductions are so limiting. But um I'm a I'm like a third culture kid, Arab American who grew up in Paris and uh, I've been living in the Middle East the last 10 years. Yeah. Um and I kind of found my calling in feminism. So I've been working in the women empowerment space for the last uh, 10 years, basically since I graduated, uh, oh. I, I started Wamina. You found your calling in feminism um, and you just started Wamina after finishing university. First of all, how did you find your calling? Like, how did you know that this is what you want to stand up for? Yeah, that's a really interesting question and very specific moments actually that I can point yeah. to. Mm. I think um, I was definitely one of those kids who graduated from university without necessarily a clear path. And I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do, but I, you know, and even the, the degree that I studied in global communications, it was because it was broad enough that it would apply to anything the day mm. that I figured out, you know, a mm. job where I would start um, in a certain industry. And then entrepreneurship was something that I'd been toying around with for a while. I always wanted mm. to be my own boss. And I think of all these franchise ideas or just, you know, uh, uh, restaurants that I might want to open one day. And, you know, when I moved to the UAE, I, I saw the UAE, I was in France my entire life. So moving to the UAE felt like this, the new world, it felt mm. like the land of opportunity. And it was the, the, you know, honestly, what they've been able to do in such a short amount of time is phenomenal. Mm. And I really do think I wouldn't have gotten to where I am in my career now, had I done this in Europe or in mm. the US in a place that's so saturated with entrepreneurs and with mm. investors and with this competitiveness. Mm. In, in Dubai, it, I was lucky enough to be one of the first people to start an angel network for women. And it was more, again, on a based on business ideas. Like mm. I just wanted to be in business. And then I just wanted um, to be a smart business person. So I was thinking about what could work. What am I learning about? What, what do I see as an opportunity here? Mm -hmm. And I kind of went through any idea, but it wasn't a purpose. It was just like, Oh, I want to start whatever. Let's see what mm -hmm. sticks. Mm -hmm. And in that process, we decided to launch an investor network and we immediately thought, well, most investors are men. So all of our yeah. clients are going to be men. And we were then met with, wait a minute, but we're like my co-founder at the time, um, who left before I pivoted the company. Um, we were 23 year old college graduates. Like there were mm. definitely no, there, there, there wasn't a precedent for young women like us teaching the average age of an investor, 52 years old, you know, mm. a, a, a men in gray suits, what to do with their money. Mm. Like we, yeah. they were not going to listen to us. So shifting our perspective towards women was actually a business idea. It was, it was, it was a business strategic business decision at the beginning. Mm. And it actually turned out to be my introduction to the world of feminism because lo and behold, what we've been raised with uh, up until that point, 2013 was that feminism happened in the seventies and in the twenties, mm. like it was something that women fought for to get the right to vote. And now we're all equal mm. and you don't really realize the inequality 
until you're in the real world and you don't really realize at what kind of a disadvantage you are as a woman in the business world until you you really enter it and when we started targeting women is when i started reading up on the disadvantages of women like where they're you know how uh, how they were disposing of their income how where they were what they were allowed to do with their money in which countries how mm -hmm. often were they involved in investment decisions or entrepreneurship decisions mm -hmm. and i started reading about entrepreneurs that are disproportionately not getting funded because they're female or even worse female of color because okay. women of color are at even more of a disadvantage. But I started reading up more and more on feminist issues. Mm. And I found myself reading a World Health Organization mm. report about FGM, about Which... female genital mutilation in the Middle East. Mm. And I didn't realize how high the statistic was. At that time, it was about 90% of women in Egypt have undergone FGM. And that blew my mind because that means nine out of the 10 Egyptian women that I know yeah. <laughs> would have undergone that. They, and, and of course, this is within certain classes, but it, the general population, the statistic blew my mind that this was the case in 2013. Mm. And I was like, this is so stupid. I don't understand. And I went down this feminist wormhole, mm. educating myself and realized that this was one of the stupidest things in the world. Because I, there was no, I didn't, it never clicked. It still doesn't click in my head how half the world's population can be completely dismissed and disadvantaged for the simple fact that they were born with a double X chromosome, mm. you know, yeah. because you were just born with a vagina, all of a sudden the world mm. treats you differently. And mm. all of a sudden, all of these rules apply to you about you that you have no control over. Mm. And, uh, and I thought, that was so stupid that it would be the easiest thing to fix this is what i have to do this mm. is this is my this is really mm. such a simple thing to mm. solve at the world in the mm. world in my head at that time is what mm. i thought i thought this <laughs> yeah. was simple i thought how can you just we're beyond this how can you completely just hate on an entire 51% of the population mm. for something that's out of their control with mm. made up myths. Mm. And I thought I was like, that's it. I'm going to dedicate myself to feminism. Leonardo DiCaprio's on the environment already. Yeah. You know, you've got all the other <laughs> Hollywood celebs on, on looking out for animals. That's great. I want to be dedicating mm. myself to my community, which is women mm. and women specifically in the Middle East. And I thought I could knock that out in 10 years and I'll fix the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So what, what is it that you want to fix? Like, I mean, through Wumina, what is it that you're going after? So I know there's some content creation that you're doing, but can you explain to us a bit more about what it does and how you're planning on changing that? Yeah, how I'm planning on changing the world? Y yeah. With, <laughs> <laughs> with my company, Wumina, it's yes. going to change the world. Um, it's you you nailed it actually you say we do some content we do mm. a lot of content and mm. it's the content that is actually the solution mm. so what I realized was that the root of all of these injustices lies with two two main aspects one is ego Okay. And ego in every aspect, ego in relation to your status in society or power, the people that are currently in power mm -hmm. want to hold on to that. And so mm -hmm. their egos will never allow them to treat other people humanely. Mm -hmm. It will lower them 
in the world if they do that. Mm. And I can't actually fix that issue. Mm. What I can fix is the perception towards us. People's perceptions dictate how they act towards others. Mm. So if you perceive me as a threat, if you perceive me as oppressed, if you perceive me as attractive, however you perceive me, you will behave differently with me. And mm. what I'm hoping to do is shift people's perceptions towards women. And first and foremost, with my community with Arab women, mm. to be able to humanize them, to recognize us as not mm. an other, but as the same, as one of, you know, a whole human mm. race. And that we are not what you've been seeing in the media for the last hundred years. We are not the stories that you have been told. We mm. are so much more than that. And actually, surprisingly, way more relatable to your mm. reality, mm. right? And, mm. and we don't look just one way. We don't live just one way. We don't believe in just one thing. Just like wherever you're from, I can't just take everyone and put them in one little category. Mm. So I want to showcase the diversity of Arab women and the diversity of, of abilities, accomplishments, and stories that come out of our community. Because to be honest, the internet was not, wasn't populated with those stories mm. before. The, we, we did a a very interesting exercise back in 2016 where we typed into Google Arab women are mm. and we took the first set of responses on the first few pages yeah. and all of them were words like Arab women are oppressed and Arab women are controlled Arab women are suppressed mm. or repressed or miserable or sad mm. or dangerous and that was like the imagine imagine being a young arab girl and googling the definition of yourself you know mm. in the world on the internet and seeing that the first few set of responses were all negative and mm. and how can how is that making you think about yourself so that's one perception worth changing is for mm. my own community but also the perception of others towards us mm. If they want to learn about us, then that's the news that they're getting. And I'm very happy to say that you won't find that on those pages, mm. you know, on Google mm. anymore. If you type Arab women are, the internet is populated with much more diverse mm. stories from our region now, thanks to a lot of different media companies that have come up, but only mm. in the last like 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. And you talked a lot about perception, uh, changing the perception mm. of women and so from what I understood, you said what you're trying to do is you're trying to create enough content showing the diversity of women in the MENA region in a sense where through that showing of content, you can change people's perspective. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. The dehumanizing mm -hmm. of the African-American in the United States mm -hmm. is so deeply rooted in the stories that are told mm -hmm. and the way the stories are told and which stories are definitely not told. Yeah, Right. Yeah. And so it's the same plight for recognition. Mm. It's the mm. same plight. When you say Black Lives Matter, it's it's saying that that recognize us. We matter. We need mm. to matter as much as you. Mm. And that's the same thing in feminism. That's the same thing for for mm. female communities that just mm. want to be recognized. Mm. And the perceptions mm. are changing. You know, mm. you what what it was the biggest change to the perception of African-Americans in the United States. And that was the popularization of African-American artists, mm. musicians, television stars, mm. singers, songwriters, the content that they put out, the mm. songs, the stories, the music that they created. Mm. It's the same thing with the LGBT community. When the yeah. LGBT community 
in the West, especially comes out and they're on TikTok and they're in movies and there's, they're, they're naturally normalized in the mm. content. It helps us accept and normalize the same visuals, right? Mm, they're, mm. They're, it's not threatening anymore. It's not new. It, it becomes, mm. it becomes something that we've been exposed yeah. to. Known, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So we talked about feminism a lot. You did mention feminism a lot. But what does it mean? Because sometimes feminism can be taken to a complete extreme where women just want to be fighting constantly. But what does feminism mean to you? To be honest, I think any type of social movement mm. like feminism um, needs an entire spectrum of people mm. to be fighting for that equality, right? Mm. And when we say fighting, sometimes it's literal because like the civil rights movement, sometimes some fighting has to be literal and strategic. You have to mm. be physically present, right? Mm. You have to shock. And sometimes mm. feminism is a bit more strategic and you have quieter people who maybe are working more behind the scenes in education and mm. academia and studying gender or mm. maybe they're they're in law or they're in politics right mm. so for me feminism can is a term that seeming that scares people yeah because they don't understand the word and because it part of the narrative of feminism mm. that the media has taught us the perception that the current western mainstream media creates of feminism mm. is that it's violent and it's scary so if mm. that's what you think feminism is then you're actually a victim mm. of a, a, a narrative that's been constructed mm. so that we don't get towards equality. Mm. Feminism just simply means universal opportunities and universal rights, human rights for all, mm. whether you're male or female, equal rights and equal opportunities under law protected and governed in society. It mm. does not mean, and we can totally get into it if you want, yeah. about, about the fears of why people really do fear what you know the the violent aggressive story of feminism that the media has fed us mm. um why they fear that so much mm. yeah, please go ahead if, if you, you can <laughs> yes <laughs> i mean we can please there's, yeah it i think it's it's beyond just violence right mm. because obviously there's we see violence in day-to-day -day life and we see anger a lot mm. around us but when it comes from women and when the traditional narrative of a woman is that she is docile and that she is submissive and that she is caring and that she is nurturing and that she puts others above herself. Fighting for feminism means that you can carry the exact opposite to that as well as being, I can be calm and nurturing and loving mm. and beautiful, you know, like beautifully uh, adoring to others. Mm. But I also want to make sure that I, I am rightfully respected under the law and that mm. I have equal rights to the person that, you know, the, to another person who happens to be male. I don't understand why that's different. However, mm. my temperament is I can be loving and caring. That has nothing to do with, mm. you know, mm -mm. The, the, the rights that I should have. And mm. people get scared because they think that, oh, feminism means that we release women from all of these other characteristics, but mm. it has nothing to do with it. Mm. If women feel anger, which they are completely allowed to feel just mm. like everybody feels anger. Yeah that scares the shit out of a lot of people as you don't know what to do with a scared with a woman who's angry mm -hmm. you know what to do with a woman who's scared you can control a scared person you can't mm -hmm. control angry populations of people so mm -hmm. the the unpredictability the uncontrollability whether it's women or it's 
anybody mm. is always scary. It's scary mm. when you see a Black Lives Matter rally protest. People say that's terrifying to them. Why? Why is it terrifying? Mm. You were probably out there protesting something else the other day and you were scaring people. So it's it's really about the idea that it com- directly conflicts with our image mm. of women. Mm. And I think specifically with older men in positions of power, mm. they recognize that women in society are treated lesser than. Mm. And the idea that making people equal might make it so that they have to experience the same lesser than feeling Mm. they don't want to have to go through, right? Mm. If that's what that means, because power can be shared. What people think sometimes in positions of power, if they have to hold on to it, they can't Mm. share the power. There there isn't enough. I need more Mm. for me, Mm. right? Mm. And they don't realize that by being equal, they empower everybody. Mm. They think that by being equal, they have to lower themselves to the same shitty treatment that they offer other people. 100%. And that's just not true. With what you're building now, with the content creation, with, with the company, what were like some of the hardest challenges that you faced building it up as a, as a person who just finished university? Like, it's like, <laughs> it's like, how do you do that? <laughs> I honestly, I don't even know how I did it. I look back, I didn't study finance. I was, I didn't study economics in university. I never was informally trained in finance. Mm. I literally was just so delusionally optimistic about running my own damn business that Mm. I was going to go with whatever idea I felt most passionate about. Mm. And and I, I really, I, first things first is that I actually, um, I clicked with somebody in university who became a co-founder in the first version of my business. When we were an mm. investment, we, we launched as an investment platform and we did mm. a hard pivot mm. and having met someone that I really believed in, mm. who really believed in me mm. helped a lot because there was a, a thing of, we just want to work together. We yeah. have a good vibe. We're going to just figure, like, let's just, we'll see what sticks. What are your ideas? What are my ideas? And we kind of went through it and Mm. I was following the passion, Mm. the passion Mm. and and what felt right and what felt easy. Like it was aligned, you know, Mm. that's how you kind of like, Mm. you know, it's the same as, as how I knew when I found my purpose, it was when I, I couldn't, I couldn't stop thinking about it. I had to just keep doing it, keep learning, Mm. keep pushing, keep, there was a drive that was naturally Mm. pushing me forward when you're not on the right path a lot of roadblocks keep coming in your way and and sometimes even Mm. easy work feels super exhausting and super tiring because that's not what you should be doing right now yeah and that's your body and your mind and your path you know kind of telling you that's not what you should be doing right now Mm. so at the time it was amazing I had somebody with me Mm. and I think what really got me to this point was actually then the the downfall of Wamina the first version of Wamina this investment network which got a whole bunch of press and was really widely supported by the media was not a solid business model and me and my co-founder actually belief in each other was a very very light thing to hold on to Mm. because we realized very quickly that we were not compatible as co-founders. We 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 lost. We not only did our co-foundership fall apart, but mm. our friendship fell apart with it. And Oof. the business then. I Oof. I was I I kept the business, and I thought, what? Yeah. 
I don't even want to do this. She was, she was the one who'd studied investment and gotten in that space. So, so it was, that aspect was very much a part mm. of her identity. Mm. And in starting that business and following that path, I was just reading all the books I could, all the articles I could, meeting all the people I could, learning from them as much as possible, you yeah. know? But then when that breakup happened mm. and when that shift happened in the business after about three years, it completely forced me to take a step back. Mm. And again, if I'm not my business, who am I? You know, take a step back and yeah. realize what do I really want to do in this world? Mm. And what was really pushing me. Mm. And the, the thing I was most proud of building was the community of badass women, you know, mm. and, and serving that community, teaching mm. them how to invest, facilitating those investments for them, mm. making them a real competitive, recognized player in an ecosystem that was super male dominated. Mm. And I was like, I want to keep serving that community. Mm. How can I serve them best? Mm. What's the root of the problem? You know, and I, and I took two months, did a road trip through Europe, while my, my, I had a team of three people and yeah. we were just quiet for the summer. And it was like, I'll be back in September and I will know what to do. And I did a road trip through Europe and I talked to everyone that I could. And I na narrowed down this perception issue and mm -hmm. this realization that actually changed lied in changing perceptions. Mm -hmm. And that I, media was, was that industry. I, I come from a media background, my family mm -hmm. across the board is involved in media. I completely understand how it mm. works mm. and I understand how to utilize it for positive impact mm. rather mm. than just money or just fluff or just, mm. you know, pr propaganda. I mm. want it. I want to have a good impact on society yeah. with my life and with the, the company. And then yeah. I came back, changed the whole thing. Yeah. I, I love how spontaneous you are. I, know. Honestly, I mean, in this conversation, yeah. it sounds spontaneous. It's, it's <laughs> like, know three horrible years of like a deteriorating <laughs> friendship and like never meeting your your kpis with your business and just yeah. depression you know yeah. so i tell it to you in a nice three minute segment <laughs> like it's it's how i got there but yeah. there's a lot of darkness and a lot yeah. of struggle and it mm. a lot of uh it's been 10 years you know mm. almost how did you get yourself out of this dark depressed state um i cut out the toxicity in my life <laughs> basically yeah. separating like accepting that I couldn't save the friendship like I had done everything mm. that I could mm. and then I got to the point where I recognized I couldn't I just couldn't save that and I needed mm. to find out who I was you know I was also at that time in another mm. relationship that actually was not good for me and I I left mm. that at the same time mm. and I also like mm. decided on the the changing the direction of Wamina completely. Yeah. It was, I really had hit a rock bottom of sorts and nobody had seen me, nobody other than my partner and my relationship had really seen me go mm. and, and how bad I was feeling. Um, but if I'm being completely honest, I took that time in, in for that road trip to be able to re-strategize mm. and come back stronger and mm. come back when I found that fire again and that idea that... It was exactly what I was looking for, you know, mm -hmm. but I should have taken a longer pause. And I think this is the advice that mm -hmm. I, I don't hear a lot of business mm -hmm. owners sharing is that, you know, there's such a hustle culture and such a push through the pain type of thing mm -hmm. and hustle. Now you you can, you can sacrifice at this age. It's bullshit. Like I really should have taken a solid six months. I should have told my team, like, you know, 
thank you should look for another gig i'm so sorry the business currently mm-hmm. as it is is not working i will come back to it mm-hmm. when i've recharged mm-hmm. but i, I ego Yeah. I had a bit too much ego in that sense and I felt the summer's mm-hmm. ending I need to come back and I need to mm-hmm. act as if we're stronger you know mm-hmm. that or at least uh, not stronger than ever but at least not shaky mm-hmm. right and mm-hmm. I but I basically got back wound down the business in four months as I was simultaneously rehiring another team to relaunch Oof. immediately and seamlessly as a media company So mm. it seemed like an extension of the business rather than a full reimagining. Mm. And uh, it kind of kept me in, you know, the, I thought it kept me in the community. It looks like we're growing. It doesn't look like we just had a shitty year. Yeah. But actually, nobody would have cared if I took six months for myself. Mm. And I, and Wamina didn't do anything for those six months. Mm. And I recharged got my strategy in place, picked the team, took my time and came back six months later, like, all right, now we're here and we're ready to yeah. play. Nobody would have fucking noticed that we mm. were, have, we were gone for six months. Mm. Right. Mm. So it's, it was actually um, a piece of advice, especially for entrepreneurs who are so hell bent yeah. at finding success in entrepreneurship. When you do that, Don't forget to take time in between ideas to recharge your energy mm. for the next go. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. you think time is of the essence, but really the world is going to turn whether you're there or not. It doesn't yeah. matter. And most people yeah. are focused on their own lives and not on you. Yeah. So take the time to properly heal, strategize between, mm. between projects. Because what happened was that was in 2017. I, I wound down the business, launched in 2018, uh, launched two different verticals in my company, neither of which we had ever done before. Yeah. And in multiple countries with multiple people and the biggest law firm and the biggest consultancy and whatever. And by the time 2019 came around, I burnt out Oof. so hard. I was, I was full. I was just fully burnt out mm. so that first you know get, getting me out of it was a nice little travel cutting out toxicity that was yeah. easy but because mm. I didn't take the adequate time mm. then when my new business was mm. up and running and and pushing I was at my wits end yeah. like barely able to to hold on yeah. you know and the only the only way I got out of that is because COVID yeah COVID forced oh. us to just at home I really I, I was I was in a really bad place right before COVID and just starting to try to like I was still productive yeah. I was still working you know but I wasn't in, and then COVID forced us to kind of like reassess everything Oof. And yeah how, and I and I only yeah. got out of it after I left literally like after I left from uh, my lockdown and it's t- like it took time you know I like fostered and cultivated my own self-love in my mm. house and I learned about mm. what I need to recharge when I can't yeah. leave the house for like two months yeah. or three months you know yeah. is it, it was it was crazy and it was four and a half months alone in in my apartment for me so yeah that was a lot of time to to learn to balance and then I realized that I had to move and I had to do a dramatic change of lifestyle because mm-hmm. uh, lockdown in a pandemic and isn't great. And so I've actually come to Egypt now and I've been in Egypt for the last six months. Um, so you were in on, Dubai? Much you were in Dubai, in Dubai when yeah. COVID hit. Okay. Yeah. And, and okay. Dubai is still home. Mm. You know, Dubai is still, 
is still home. It's still Wamina's home. I still have my team there and my family, mm. but I needed a very different lifestyle for mm. me at this time in my life. Mm. And I found that by the Red Sea, mm. super remote, super calm, super beautiful. Yeah. And I've been able to like get out of it. You know, it, yeah. 2022 mm. is like, I'm finally out of that mm. funk. You know, end of 2021, 2022, my lifestyle is much better and I feel better and I feel more mm. confident. And I'm like, oh, finally. Okay. Yes, yes. Do you, you know? feel Do you feel that Dubai puts a lot of pressure on you to wanting to create and perform and produce? Like Dubai's vibe of... Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Come on, for sure. And it's the whole thing of Dubai. You know, yeah. that's their... the yeah. You know, this this the, the American dream is... <laughs> Yeah. so outdated it's about really the dubai dream right now yeah. it's like they sell you this dream this lifestyle this and and the thing is you don't even have to try and that lifestyle kind of sucks you in in ways. <laughs> yeah yeah and even if you're dubai light you know yeah. you still are are taking in that hustle culture this is a place that did not exist 50 years ago they have built so much so soon yeah. that the whole city is running around building so much so soon all the time for all these people in all these places you know it's the yeah. hub for europe and africa and asia and america and everyone comes yeah. to dubai for the thing and everyone's there to yeah. Halas, chill yeah. guys exactly yes. <laughs> yes exactly so spot on <laughs> And um, to ask you a few more questions, uh, I love your energy, by the way. <laughs> um, you you kind of went, you're talking to Amina and how you dove into this and you're going through your lowest points. And we also talked about like you deciding to move. But for you, like, have you ever tried being in a corporate job? Like, have you ever given that a shot and said, that's not a place for me? I'm just going to start my own thing. I have my own belief system that I'm going for it. Uh, not really. Okay. I did one month. I did one month in <laughs> okay. corporate. Okay. Um, and basically it was when I first moved to Dubai, my dad didn't get the entrepreneurship thing necessarily. He was mm. like, whatever this project is that you're doing, <laughs> uh, you need to, you need to get a job and you need to work for the government specifically because mm. there's also an expectation in Emirati culture. Now it's changed a lot, but mm. it's 10 years ago again. 10 years ago, it was very much, you get a job in the government if you're Emirati, you're serving the country in some way shape or form mm-hmm. and maybe maybe you can do a small little entrepreneurial like little thing mm-hmm. on the side right mm-hmm. and the government and I was part of these initiatives had to foster the acceptance of entrepreneurship and taking mm-hmm. those chances in the population but at the time not so much yeah so my dad was like you're working for the government so I go and find the funnest yeah. event entity that was part of the government. It was it's Flash Entertainment. They host some of the biggest concerts in the UAE. Mm. They were the first movers on in concerts for the mm. for the UAE, and I loved it. Mm. I worked for a month. I did. I was experiencing the different departments to see where I was really gonna stick yeah. in. But I was like volunteering. It wasn't super corporate. The team yeah. is really open. Uh, it's about events and concerts and fun, so you could get on site sometimes and you'd see the show and you get to see everyone's happy mm. faces and it was like mm. lovely. Yeah. Uh, after the end of my first month, though, yeah. my dad called my boss mm. and said, please do not pay my daughter. What? She <laughs> doesn't need a salary. She is yeah. more than happy to serve the country and will have you donate her salary. Okay. <laughs> well, if- why i just why i i don't get it (laughs) i'm still to this day 
yeah. confused uh, yeah. about the the breadth that Arab fathers can go to to not lose their daughters. You know, I think for him, oh God bless God. him. Yeah. One, he's he's the most generous man in the world, so he's yeah. always going to be by my side, and he's always going to be my biggest supporter. Yeah. But for him, I think this was a step towards my financial independence that might take me away from him. Oh and that's God. a feeling that a lot yeah. of Arab girls have to deal with. They, they're not allowed out of the house. They're not allowed, you know, until they're married very often yeah. uh, in, in more traditional cultures to, to, to leave their house or to be independent. And mm. making your own money makes you independent. This is another mm. form of control in abusive relationships and especially in gender dynamics where men make the money, women mm. don't. If mm. women don't, they can't leave. If women don't make money, women can't mm. eat. Women don't have the freedom to just take a cab and leave your ass when you're acting like an idiot, you know? Mm. So there's an entire, you know, system around why women are withheld from financial independence. I don't think that this was the most conscious thought in his mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I think it really came from a place where he wanted to show my patriotism. Mm. And he also didn't want to lose his baby girl so soon. Mm, mm, mm. But when I heard that, I was like, oh, hell no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm not working at a corporate gig for this. Are you serious? Yeah. This yeah. is absolutely not. That's not yeah. my, that's not yeah. my space. Yeah. So I have two more questions. The first one is, what are your thoughts on like faith, spirituality, like religion, or like more towards, do we have like a set purpose in our lives or do we create our own purpose? I really believe to each their own. Mm. I really believe to each their own. And all I hope for and I pray for is that mm. they're, it's rooted. Mm. Is that to each their own as long as it's as it's rooted in, in love and mm. acceptance and kindness. Mm. I think that's the most important aspect, right? And that's mm. in regards to each other. It's regards to ourselves. It's in regards to the environment. If we treat everything with love and respect and kindness, then mm. then mm. I, I I couldn't care less which denomination or whether there's no denomination or whether you're praying to crystals or you're, you know, pricking your finger and touching a voodoo doll. That's mm. fine. As long as it's about <laughs> kindness. <laughs> okay. Love. You know, you yeah. can be as weird as you want to be. And as, <laughs> yeah. it, I think it's so personal. I think it's such mm. a personal thing for people to discover mm. their own spirituality mm. and their own path. Mm. What about what is yours? What, what was the path or your path that, for example... I, I say yeah. I'm pleasantly... Uh, I always <laughs> say I'm pleasantly agnostic. I mean, for me, it's... I really, really believe also, like, who are we to say what is what? Unless mm. there's proof. But even proof over time changes and evolves and we learn mm. new things. So for mm. me, I'm, I love science. Mm. I love studies of the universe and I find them so beautiful. But I, mm. and I love mysticism and I love you know, my imagination. So yeah. I, I, I'm happy to kind of entertain lots of different mm. ideas. And I, and I really think, again, for me, I don't need a higher energy of any kind to mm. supplement mm. my, my purpose in my day-to-day -day life. I find mm. it is something beautiful that I'll discover over time mm. and I'll, I'll experience and I'll make yeah. up ideas for myself. Mm. But until I, as I go down that road, mm. I'm just going to be a kind, mm. a loving and respectful okay. yeah. person yeah. in the sense that um, 
you are highly connected with yourself in a sense where you know what you want and you kind of go after it and you know like you know it as in you know it yourself because i when you mentioned the no you don't you just have mm-hmm. <laughs> sorry i'm just shaking my i'm like yeah. no i really don't it's actually really? something i have to try to figure out in therapy i'm like i can't actually hear what i want is very difficult for interesting me. But but you did mention yeah. you did mention that like you kind of sense that entrepreneurship is a path for you and with Mina fighting for feminism. So I mean, isn't that kind of directional? Yeah. Totally, and that yeah. happens about once every two years. Okay, I okay. will get a moment. Yeah, of, I'm I'm like oh my like I can't stop. I'm reading reading, and I know that's my thing, right? But that okay. happens once every two years. Okay, the the the. Before moving to Egypt, yeah. I spent four months in London and I was like, maybe it's going to be London and London could be the next place for me. And I went to LA and I went to Nigeria and I went to Paris and I was like <laughs> trying, but I couldn't figure out what I wanted. Mm. And I didn't know. I was like, yeah, I guess it could work. This could mm. work. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I guess it'll be London. Like mm. maybe, you know, okay. I'll try to get a visa here. But, mm. but then lo and behold, You know, I have an experience. I meet a person, and boom, I'm in Egypt. You know, a few okay. months later, because it, I couldn't. It was so strong, I couldn't deny it. It was the same with Wamina. Step one, it was we had 30 mm. ideas. We were going around the same idea. Kept every time we got mm. to these ideas, we, we wrote out like 30. We go one, two, three, four. Every time we got to that one, we would talk about it for an extra hour. It was okay. extra passionate okay. you know so okay. or now I know like if I have another project after Umina I already know what it is because I've actually mm. had that feeling mm. but I don't have the time now Mm-mm. but I I still have that feeling about okay. it but it happens so rarely it's so okay. difficult to figure out what you want in life okay and okay. I the most important lesson with that that I'm learning yeah <laughs> is that it's okay to change your mind you yeah. can always yes. change your mind yeah. always yeah. always yeah. yeah about everything mm. Mm. it's okay The final question, and it's, what's your definition of success? You know, I feel like we actually the conversation led perfectly to this because I my definition of success has changed so drastically mm. in the last couple of years, and now it really is about finding peace within oneself. Mm. You know, however, that se- that is for me that is such a it's. I know it's a bit abstract, but it's yeah. so unique. So maybe for someone, peace for them is actually a very simple set of things that they need and mm. they just feel at peace within themselves. And maybe mm. for others, it's very complicated or they have to change a lot about their mm. life. But to me, if you're successful, then you've gotten to a place in your life where mm. you are at peace. Mm. And I think that's so freaking beautiful mm. because it's so rare. It's mm. so rare to find people at peace. You won't find a single billionaire that found peace while they were while while they were working or chasing or even in late it's not until they're super elderly and then they realize that actually that money didn't bring them mm. any peace and they're living a much simpler quieter yeah. calmer life and i think people need to really redefine what peace mm. what they need for themselves to mm. find peace mm. thank you so much for your time and for everyone <laughs> listening where should they find you how should they connect with you like yeah <laughs> Girl, I'm all over the internet. Just, awesome. just put in Freha Wumina. Check us out uh, on Instagram, Facebook, uh, 
don't use this Facebook anymore. Instagram, yeah. <laughs> uh, TikTok, YouTube. We're all over YouTube, guys. I have a show called Sabahu. Oh, yeah. Wishes good morning to everyone. And you're welcome <laughs> to come watch anytime. Say. <laughs> yeah, I think everyone can find us online. Perfect. And, uh, and yeah, thank you so much for having me. Of course, it's a complete pleasure. <laughs> and for everyone listening, I hope you all have an amazing, awesome rest of your day.